You know, as <clears throat> uh, Marco said, we are laying out our values. And like I shared before, values are just guidelines for that pretty much dictate, you know, how we interact with each other and how we um, do ministry here at church. And, you know, for me, I've been here for about eight years now, and I know that values are important. But the reason that we never really um, started to lean into them is I've been in a, working in a lot of different companies prior to um, going to the ministry. And we all had values. You know, we all knew them. We put them on the, uh, you know, especially at Continental, you know, customer service, um, excellence. And then we were constantly nominated the worst airline in the United States. You know, no one really cared. It was more of an exercise. And so they never really changed anything. And so, um, but as I'm now a pastor and actually um, guiding and directing Mission Valley, I think it's important that we do have values. Uh, And, you know, we talked about those um, last week. And, you know, one of the ones we talked about was, or in the overview, we said it was care, which is sharing the love of God by looking for identifying and meeting the needs of others. Our call, which is seeking and understanding and living out God's purposes in our lives. Courage, pushing past our fears to live in faith and obedience to God. And we're going to be talking about each one of those, and today we're going to be talking about connect. And connect, by our definition, is connecting people to people with the goal of connecting them to God. Once again, connecting people to people with the goal of connecting them to God. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And once again, this is the uh, Great Commission. Where the author says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And here we see um, a biblical example of our values of connect, where it says go, make disciples. It doesn't say just sit there and wait for people to come to you. It says go. We're supposed to be active in going out there and connecting people to people. We're supposed to be connecting with people, but what for what purpose? Well, we're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be baptizing them. We're supposed to be teaching them all that Jesus taught us. So basically what we, he's saying, go, connect with people. And then once you connect with people, connect them with the God who says that he will be with you always. And really that's what connecting and our value is all about. And so we see connecting people to people and connecting people to God. Now, when I was thinking about this, I go, you know what? You know, this sounds good, connecting people to people and God to God. But you know what? It's a lot harder than it seems. And I get that. Because for some of us, connecting people to people, for us to connect with people, it's easy. It's not that difficult. But for some of us, connecting with people is hard. You know, it's a scary thing. And the same thing when we connect people to God. For some of us, it might just be natural for us to connect people to God, to help them connect the dots between where they are and where, what God might have in store for them. But for some of us, connecting people to God might be a terrifying thing. 
And so we're going to be talking about these things and um, trying to equip you throughout the year in these areas. But first, let's talk about connecting people with people. And we connect with people in four spaces, okay? We all do, whether it's in church or or wherever you are. There are four uh, places where we connect, spaces, I'm sorry, where we connect with people. But there are certain competencies that we all have to have in order to connect with people at these different, in these different spaces. Because some of us must say, well, I'm just not good at, with people, and that's just the way I am, and too bad. Well, you know what? We can't have that attitude. If God wants us to connect with people, we can't just say, well, I just don't like people. I'm not good with people. Tough. They have to deal with me. No, that's not the attitude we have. And so one of the things we need to do is we need to develop certain competencies in order to interact with people in these various spaces. So the first space is called the public space. Okay, the public space. Now, these are shopping malls, sporting events, supermarkets, airports, or wherever you go, where we, they provide spaces where we interact with people, but there's no pressure to uh, take these relationships to a deeper level. Okay, there's, there's no um, desire to maybe want to become friends, or at least there's no pressure um, for you or for me in these areas to try to become better friends with these individuals. Now, if the situation presents yourself, yes, but we're not pressured to do so. And here at Mission Valley, um, and at most churches, it's here in the worship service, where we come and we worship God, but you know, there may or may not be that pressure to go deeper with the people around us. We come here to worship, and we have that meet and greet time, so we're familiar with names and faces. But there's also some competencies that we have to have socially as we interact with people in this public space. And the first one is knowing and abiding by socially accepted rules and practices for public life. Okay. Now, we all know that there are certain rules out there. There are also certain practices out there that when you go someplace socially, we all know we have to act in accordance to those rules or whatnot. And you might say, well, I'm an individualist. I just do my own thing. But really, yes, you can be an individualist, but there are social norms that we all have to follow. Okay, And we have to know those. And the next one is you develop skills in welcoming, welcome strangers as belongers. Now, strangers as belongers. What's a belonger? Well, um, two years ago, um, the church, um, in their generosity for Pastor's Appreciation Day, um, bought tickets for myself, Michael, and Grace to go to a Clipper-Laker game. Okay, so we went to the Staples Center. And we went there, and it's a public space. We didn't know anybody there. And so what we did is I had my Laker jersey on, and it was a Clipper home game. So, of course, Michael had his Clipper jersey on. But even though it was a public space, um, and we didn't know anybody, and my desire wasn't to get to be best friends with the person sitting next to me who I didn't even know, I felt like I belonged there. Because my team and Michael's team, they were playing against uh, one another. 
So I felt like I belonged. And so that's a skill that we have to have here, especially during that meet and greet time, where, yes, this is a public space, and they, people may or may not want to get to know you better, but we have to make people feel like they belong here. And, and the best person I could tell you to watch is Philip Chan right there. You know, if you watch Philip Chan, he's great at making people feel, he's so shocked. Um, but he's, just watch him. He's great at making people feel welcome. And at the social space. So if you want to learn what it means, just watch this guy. I know I put a lot of pressure on him. But just watch the way he lives his life. Watch the way he interacts with people. He has this way of people make, uh, making them feel so comfortable. You know, people in this, um, uh, in order to operate well in this area of public space, you have to develop a sense of humor. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a Jerry Seinfeld or something like that. Like my dad, he had the driest sense of humor, where most of the time we were laughing at him and not with him. But you know what humor does? It helps break down the walls between you and the people around you. It disarms them. And so if you could learn to laugh at yourself, that might be a good place to start too. Okay, But it could be frightening to tell a joke and everyone's just kind of staring at you. You know, I've done that from the pulpit. You know, in a sermon, you share a joke and you just get these blank stares. It's like, oh, this is bad. But, you know, it does take courage, and that's one of our values, to, you know, develop that sense of humor and to try it, even though people might be laughing at you instead of with you. But what it does is it disarms them. Then also it says developing a presence that is comfortable in public spaces and that they are not a threat to those, that you are not a threat to those around you. Okay, And so this could be your posture. I mean, do you look like an angry person? I remember one of my supervisors at Continental said, Dave, you always look angry. And I didn't even know I was looking angry. I said, I'm just thinking. Because when you're an airport supervisor, things go down really fast, and I've got to think of solutions, how to solve it. Because, Dave, you always look mad. You know, I said, oh, that's why no one wants to talk to me. You know, but you know, could you imagine being in a public space if you just look mad? People are going to see you as a threat, right? So they're not going to want to get close to you. So if we want to interact with people around you, know what's the best thing we could do? Smile. You know, one of my friends said, you know, whenever she gets in an elevator, she greets people. She goes, hey, how you doing? So I've tried doing that. It's amazing how that uh, just kind of changes the atmosphere in just that elevator. If you just say hi or smile at people. Um, so the next place we have, we have public space and then we have a social space. And the, in the social space, this is where we provide a snapshot of who we are. You know, we're very selective on who, uh, what, who, what um, I guess picture that we want to give of uh, people. And we gather with people that we are familiar with and we engage in activities that will help us determine whether or not I want to go deeper in this friendship. Okay? And so some of the social places that we have here at church are the MV Cafe, which is our fellowship time afterwards, our sports ministry, adult classes, our line dancing ministries. All of those are ministries geared for us to interact with one another and determine, okay, I think I like that person. I've been kind of interacting with them over uh, you know, several weeks, and I would like to go deeper with that person. 
I would like to have a deeper relationship with that person. And these are the social spaces, and this is what happens during there. This is where small talk you know, happens. But what are some of the social competencies that we have to have when we operate in this area? Well, number one, we give a personal snapshot of who we are that is harmonious to our surroundings. Okay? Um, when you're meeting people, you want to give a snapshot of yourself that puts your best foot forward. Right? You don't want to tell a person right off the bat, you know what, I really messed up here. Oh, boy, you should have seen all these failures in my life. Or, man, I've been seeing a therapist for this. And, you know, you don't want to be dumping on people, you know, in this space. And I've had people do that where every time they see me, it's like they emotionally throw up on me. And I'm just like, you know, the first time I get it, I'm a pastor, right? And, you know, some people say, you know, I'm not telling you you can't do that on me because that's why I'm here. But, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, Pastor Dave, you know, I have a problem. Could I schedule some time with you? Sure. You know, I'd love to do that. But, you know, every time you see me, it's like, blah, blah, blah. I tell you, every time I see you, I'm going the opposite direction, (laughs) you know. And so you don't want to do that. Um, But you have to be comfortable with spontaneous or short interactions. And this is small talk. Now, how many of you are um, really comfortable with small talk? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, The majority of you aren't um, comfortable with small talk. And small, you might think, well, that's so easy. It's so shallow. Small talk is really difficult. Because number one, you might enter into this spontaneous conversation with somebody. And you go, what are they talking about? Or if I say something, what if I sound dumb? Or they just, it's just better to keep my mouth shut. That way they know that I know nothing about what they're talking about. Small talk is not easy. But it's something that we all have to engage in. We all have to be, if we are to connect with people in this space, we all have to be good at small talk. And one of the ways that I've learned to be good at small talk is just by um, just gathering more and more information. Whether it's for me going on CNN, the website, and looking at what's going on in the world, reading like the New York Times, or any of the, you know, watching the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, the Cooking Channel, you know, all of the National Geographic channels, you know, all of those things, I'm gathering information, not only for myself, but I can say, oh yeah, I, I saw that, or I'm a little bit more, I have some knowledge in that area. But some of us, I know uh, there's a large portion of us who are introverts. That is difficult for us to make conversations with people. You know how I've um, dealt with that one? You could turn that to your advantage. Because people like to talk about themselves and their interests. And so (laughs) the way that you use your introversion to your advantage is, number one, you listen. You listen to what they're saying. Two, you ask questions about what they just said. Because people love to talk about themselves. They really, we really do. I mean, I, I know some of you are you know, laughing. It's not being selfish. It's just that's the way we're created. And so what you do is you just ask questions. You don't have to carry the conversation. You just listen and ask questions. So what do you mean by string theory? Or what do you, when you say there's a... You know, infinite amount of parallel universes out there, and that gravity is weak here, but maybe stronger in another universe. What exactly do you mean by that? You know, because you know we don't know. 
Um, but, you know, so in the, in the social space, you have to learn how to do small talk. Um, number, uh, the next one is you're tactful. You're trying to get to know people who uh, want um, to see if you want to go into a deeper relationship with. But guess what? They're doing the same thing, right? So if you don't have filters on, if you're not very tactful, guess what they're going to think about you is, okay, see that Dave guy there? I definitely do not want to go to the next level with that guy. You know, I definitely don't want to be around somebody that has no filters that just, boom, says what's on his mind. Okay, and finally, they are able to have the ability to determine with whom to develop a, re- a deeper relationship with. You have to develop that because not everybody is meant to go in a deeper relationship with you know, other people. And so we have to get that discernment. Finally, then we go to the personal space. These are the spaces where you connect with your uh, close friends. And these are the ones where you might be separated for maybe years, but you know how you kind of get together? And it's, have you ever had that experience where you haven't seen them for years and you get together again and it's like nothing ever happened? And it, you, you just feel like you just picked off where you left off? Well, these are your, your close friends. They're the ones where you share your personal information with, your experience and your beliefs about yourself. And you know what that ministry we have here is? Small groups. In these small groups, this is where we develop these personal relationships. And so this is why it's so important to be involved in a small group. Because I think people are looking for a church as a place to belong. Now, if you go to a mega church, you know, a lot of times people go there because they want to be anonymous. And you could go when you have a large church. People don't even know you're there. But if you're coming to a small church like this one, there's a good chance you're coming here because you want to connect with people on a more than um, surface level. And one of the things I've noticed is that the people that have um, come, visited, and left were didn't connect themselves to a small group. But those who stayed tended to, and this is not only our church. If you take a look at church studies, those who um, become committed to the churches um, end up being a part of a small group and connected with people because I think people are looking for that um, connection. So it's important to be a part of a small group. And you know, I'm in charge of small groups right now, so if you want to get in charge, if you want to be connected to a small group, please come and uh, see me. But some of the personal space competent con- Competencies. Number one, you have to know how to keep confidences. Confidences. Okay, now people are starting to trust you here. They're telling you things about themselves that, that are personal. You have to know how to keep that confidential. You know, there are a lot of things in, that go on in this church that I don't even tell my wife. Why? Because it's confidential. It's between me, that person, and God. And so one way to really sabotage a relationship is if you can't keep confidences. This is extremely important. You have to have the trust of people. Um, But they also, um, in this area, you have to know how to share private information without sharing too much. And this is where men get in trouble. Because whenever someone um, shares something, we have the tendency, or they tell a story, What's what's our natural tendency, guys? To what? To brag, to one-up that person. Uh, you know, I went fishing and, uh, you know, I caught a, you know, 20-pound tuna. The next second, oh, yeah, 
well, that's cool, man. I went out there and I caught a 247-pound tuna. You know? And that's what guys do. And sometimes we even embellish our stories just to make it sound nicer. But see, guys, we need to watch that. Okay? So when people are telling us information, you know, our goal isn't to one-up them. So we don't want to tell stuff about ourselves in order to one-up them when we really shouldn't be telling anybody um, this information. But also you show concern about the other person's private information. When somebody's telling you something personal, we have to develop the competencies to care about that information and not just dismiss it or not just think about what you're going to say in response to that. And finally, to are able to develop skills to begin, grow, and maintain one-on-one relationships. Because in the social uh, space, um, these relationships are a lot of times within groups. But when we get into the personal space, then it's that more like this one-on-one relationships. And we need to know how to start um, interacting with people on a one-to-one personal basis rather than to be in a group. And a lot of times the reason why it's easier to be in a group because it's kind of like playing doubles tennis, right? You've got somebody to catch the balls that you miss. Right? But when you're playing singles, it's just you and that other person. Very different game. And so this is why it's so important for us. to, If we're, if we're going to move um, deeper with people in this personal space, we need to know how to have personal interactions with people without having the um, safety net of having others around us that could pick up the slack uh, for us. Finally, the intimate space. This is our best friend. This is where you feel safe um, letting people know, you know the intimate details um, about you. And this is where intimacy happens, where these people know every secret about you, every flaw about you, but they love you anyway. And this is where I think all of us want to be in relationship. Where there are certain people in our lives where we could feel free to be who we are, warts and all, and not feel that we're going to be judged, not feel that we're going to be um, shamed, or not feeling that we're going to be guilted or anything like that, that we're going to be loved. But you know what? In this circle, it's funny. When you go from public to this space, there are only a handful of people in, your, on, in this space. And these are people that as you've gone through the different spaces, you've earned their trust, and then they've just, you've just moved together into this you know, one um, intimate space. But there shouldn't be that many. Maybe about, most people only have between three and five people here in this circle. You know, and the competencies you have to have here was you have to have the ability to share really who you are rather than what you do or what you, you know, the acts that you're doing. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm taking uh, Michael the basketball practice or I'm going to church or I'm a pastor or, you know, this happened to me at work today. We have to really start getting down to this is who I am. These are the struggles that I've had um, in my life. You have to have a solid definition of who you are with their authentic self, with their authentic self, and are willing to share with those in this space. You know, people in this space, they know who you are. 
<laughs> you can't fake them out. And so if you're in this, operating in this space, you really have to know, have a good self-awareness of who you are and then be able to share those uh, with people around you. And they don't share their authentic self indiscriminately. You know, there's a lot of things that we're going through that are pretty heavy stuff. But, you know, even these people around us, um, they're going through things too. And so I have to think, you know, well, how does this information affect that other person? You know, if this person right now can't handle it, then, you know, I'm not going to um, dump on them. And so these are the spaces and these are the um, competencies that you have. But one of the things I forgot, if you have trouble uh, connecting with people, you know, Chet Yoshizaki had the staff go this. But John Maxwell wrote this book, 25 Ways to Win with People. It's an easy read, whether you get it on Kindle or, you know, e-books or whatever. I would suggest you read this book because there's a lot of good tips on how you could connect with people. And for some of you young people, that's going to be your success. It's really not how much you know, but it's how well you could connect with people. And that will be, uh, that, that will determine your success in, in the future. So finally, we talked about connecting with people, and I got, wow, five minutes to go out on how to connect people to God. You think that this is the most important part, but sorry, God. And you understand. Um, he could connect with us anyway. He doesn't need me. Um, but anyway, let's go through this real quick. Number one, you have to believe that God is worth being connected to. And this is important because we could say a lot of things. We, be, we could say, oh, yeah, I believe God. God, just wonderful, powerful God who could do all of this. And we could say these things. But one thing about Americans is we could say things that we really don't believe. Right? We don't believe that. We'd say it because we know this is what I'm supposed to say in these situations. And in um, John 16, 13 to 13, it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Basically, do you believe that we are connecting people to the all-powerful God who is the source of all wisdom, all joy, all strength and all power, that God has something to say about our situation and their situation, that God's plan is the best for them wherever they're at right now? Do we really believe that? You know, because sometimes we get disillusioned. I've been there where it's like, God, you know, where are you? Do you really care about me? And then when we're in those places, it's hard for us to communicate that with other people when we really don't believe that ourselves. And so these are the times you said, Lord, help me in my unbelief. You know, give me the faith that I need that I'm lacking, you know, right now. And so we have to believe that God is a God that's worth connecting people to. Because if we don't believe that, we're not going to be connecting God, people to God. We might be connecting them to um, other sources of wisdom that we might have, but not God. We have to be alert to opportunities to connect people to God. Now, when I say connect people to God, it's not just saying, so if Caroline comes up to me with a problem, well, you know that Jesus is the source of all your answers and problems, and you need to believe in Jesus. If you read your Bible and you pray, God's going to make your life so much better. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. Now, sometimes it requires us to do this, 
But it's interesting, I was in a recent conversation with some of uh, the parents, you know, on Michael's basketball team, and we're all from different faiths. And one of them just said, so what are you guys? And so they just went around the table and said, well, I'm, I'm Buddhist, I'm Buddhist, I'm, I don't know what I am, my mother was this, my dad was this, and, and a lot of people didn't know. And then, um, of course, they know what I am. But, you know, at that time, it wasn't my, that wasn't the time and place for me to go, oh, well, do you know the Bible says that you're wrong? Did you know the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus? Of course I'm not going to try to connect him to Jesus that way. But what I did was I listened. I asked questions about their faith. You know, you know Grace was doing the same thing. So I asked, you know, the Buddhist, so what do you believe, you know, when you die? You know, and so it was like exchanging information. But once again, I was listening so I know where they're at. So if the time comes up in the future, I would know how to engage them. And then finally, when the opportunity presents itself, you have to act on it in accordance to the space that you occupy with that individual. (laughs) You know, if you're in a social space... You don't want to tell a person that you don't even know, hey, you need Jesus or you're going to go to hell. Now, when I was a a newborn Christian, that's what I would do. You know, I wouldn't even know these people. Do you know Jesus? Because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. You know, and, you know, you got to remember back then, that's the way I came to Christ. Was, woo, I don't want to go to hell. And then people kind of with the attitude told me where I could go after telling them, you know, that. Um... But yeah, that wasn't the context for it. But you know what? As I, you know, as I relate to people in different spaces, in the personal space, and I could talk to them about their faith. I could talk about, you know, so, you know, how does what you believe, you know, affect the way that you live? And, I, you know, that's what happened with my mother-in-law. She just said she was afraid to die. And I said, well, well you're Buddhist. You know, why, what does that teach you? What, why are you afraid? And she goes, well, you know, our form of Buddhism believes that once life's over, it's, it's over. And then she goes, I just hope I go to a good place. And then I was able to tell her about Christianity. But it was in the context of the space that she and I occupied. You know, it doesn't work. Have, you know, how many of you have known people to come to know Jesus Christ by some of those guys that have that sign? You're going to hell if you're going to Jesus. They're on the curbs and they're just screaming at you. You know, in a social space. You know, that doesn't work. So when the opportunity presents yourself, you got to act on it. But in accordance to the space that you have with that individual. Let's pray. God, I know that um, for some of us, relationships aren't the easiest thing. And they're scary. And sometimes we've you know, fail that relationship. But Lord, we know that you want us to connect with people so ultimately we could connect them to you. Father, may you give us the courage to have the strength and the bravery, Father, to connect with people, even though it might be awkward for us. And Father, may we continue to grow in relating to people in certain social spaces. And, Father, that we could ultimately connect him with you. And for some, that might be really hard. And so, Father, I pray that 
uh, each one of us would take our faith really seriously, that we would be in reading our scripture, reading the Bible, that we'd be praying, that we would be in fellowship, that we would be in a, a group of friends, Father, that could give us counsel on how to um, talk and connect people to God. And Father, we know that there are times when we'll try that and we'll fail. But that's okay, Father. Knowing that it's your spirit that draws people to you. And that we ourselves do not have the power to change people. We do not have power to save people. And that's only through you and your Holy Spirit. So, Father, may you use us through the power of your spirit to connect people to you so that their lives might be changed. In your son's name we pray. Amen.